We'll be in the letter to the Hebrews, which is towards the back of your Bible after all of the Apostle Paul's letters. We find the letter to the Hebrews. We're in chapter one. We're doing the, the whole chapter today. Last week, we did some groundwork in the first few verses uh, as we start this series, One King, uh, Only Jesus through this year of 2024. I don't know if it'll take the whole year. We'll see. But uh, this, this series, we're calling One King, Only Jesus. And I just want to thank you for being here today, uh, for making the trip outside briefly, maybe, uh, to get into your car or to walk here, um, to hear God's word and to worship together, uh, to make this a priority in your life. Uh, but those of you who are online, we love you too. Uh, and we understand that it, it's cold and, it, and you're in the warmth of your home and we, we thank you for tuning in and making it a priority to hear the word of God and the, this foundational understanding that we see in Hebrews that, that Jesus is the son of God, that he is the Lord. And we're going to get this uh, perspective or this teaching of who is the son of God today. Uh, so if you're able to, to stand for the reading of his word, I'd ask you to stand as we hear from Hebrews chapter 1, starting with verse 1. <clears throat> Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. 
Well, we're going we're gonna to look at this scripture, and we're going to do something that I, I, I taught the youth the other day when I was teaching youth group, and it's something that's good, a good practice for all of us, and that's how to rightly study the Bible, and it, it's simply by good observation and then right interpretation and helpful application. So we're going to do observation, interpretation, and application. And, and so observation is, is looking at it and saying, what is this chapter actually saying? Not yet saying, what does it mean to me? Sometimes that's where we as Americans want to jump to. But first, and, and really what's best to do is to say, what is it actually saying? Who is saying it? What's their context, right? When was this being said, if we can do that? A study Bible helps with that. We have study Bibles that we can give you if you need it. But it's observing uh, what is actually going on. And this is really important to do so that when you get down to what it means, you're getting the right what does it mean. But you, when it gets to application, you're, you're making sure that you're actually applying the correct truth to your life. And so for, for this chapter, we can observe that the writer of Hebrews, who we talked about when that was happening and, and that it was in the early church, but we can observe quite easily that Psalms are being quoted, Right? And we know that we could say, well, Psalms are from the Old Testament. So we know that this, this writer is respecting the Old Testament and, and is saying some things about the Lord in comparison to the, the, the Psalms or to the scriptures of the Old Testament. And then we could say, well, what kind of Psalms are being quoted here? What do I observe? And it, it seems to be saying he, the, the author is, is, is noting things that are particularly about angels, right? You don't have to be a rocket scientist to observe this stuff, right? This is so he's, he's, he's noting things about angels. And, and so, okay, why is he noting things about angels? Well, then let's jump to the next step. And that's simply to say, well, what does this mean then? And that is interpretation. We can go to the next slide. What, is this, what does this mean? Uh, and, and especially when we go to interpretation, we, we might say, what, is it, what does it mean in that time? Because we're not saying, what does it mean for me today? And how do I need to live differently today? That's application. We'll get there. But what, is, what does it mean? And especially, we might say, what might I be missing? Maybe it's in a, a study Bible note that I might not, I might not get uh, or understand one of these Psalms quotes, right? So I might have to go back and use a cross-reference in the Bible to, to read some of them. So uh, uh, what, what is this chapter really arguing? And, it, you know, again, it, it, it doesn't take much to figure out that it seems to be quite simply arguing that, that Jesus is greater than the angels, right? And the, the Hebrew people had heard the prophets of long ago, and the angels, they had an understanding that the angels ministered or helped the prophets to, to write down scriptures or to preach sermons that became uh, writings, that became scripture. And that was super important to the Jewish tradition. So the angels are super important, the prophets are super important, but Jesus is higher than that, right? Quite simply. So, uh, so, that also means, what does it mean? It means he's not lower than that. Pretty simple, right? So he is not just a man. He's not just a prophet because he's higher than the angels who worked with people, who worked with human beings like Isaiah or Jeremiah. So Jesus is someone that is not just a man, but he's also someone that is higher than the angels. And, and uh, these scriptures that are being quoted that are hundreds and hundreds of years old by the time they're being quoted in, in Hebrews are, are making this argument that the scriptures were talking about the Son of God before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So that means that God, what does it mean? It means that God was preparing the Son of God to become flesh or to become Jesus before he ever did. 
because we're looking backwards and we're seeing that, that there's scriptures that talk about him being greater than the angels well before he was ever in the flesh on earth. So that means that God is not just a man and he's greater than the angels, but he's also part of the Godhead's plan to come to earth and it's an old, old plan. Okay, so we're getting some of the things it means and you could get even into greater depth of what does it mean. But then you go to the next step and you say, okay, well, so what? That's the question when you get to application. You could say, so what? I, I'm getting what it means and I'm getting that he's not just a man and I'm getting that he's higher than the angels. I already thought that. Like I, I'm guessing most of you didn't lose sleep last night because you're wondering, I really need church tomorrow. I really need church tomorrow. I'm struggling with whether Jesus is greater than Gabriel or not. I just don't know. And I'm going to go to church tomorrow to get that sorted out, right? None, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you, you, we don't struggle with that. But in the early church, going back to their history, they, they, they are having people say, well, Jesus did some amazing things. But how do you know he's just, you know, not an angel in disguise? Or Jesus did some amazing things, but maybe he was just a really good teacher and his followers turned him into this son of God, divine-like figure. That was a really common argument back then, and it's a really common argument now to say that he was lower than the angels, to say that he was just like other prophets, that he was a man. And, and, and Hebrews comes along and says, why is this important? Because he, he is not just a man, and he's not just a man, so he is worthy of your worship. And it, it's important because if he is higher than the angels, then this is God saying, I came to earth, right? I came to earth for you, to rescue, to make purifications for sin. And so Hebrews is making this, this argument, and we're going to apply this kind of process, or you can apply it yourself in your, in your individual study, in your group studies, observe what it's saying, dig into what was it saying then, what is the context, who is saying it, what's being quoted, okay, making sure you understand the meaning, interpreting it right, getting study notes to help you do that, and then saying, okay, so what does this mean for my life? Obviously, the, ar the argument for the big book of Hebrews is what does it mean to your life? If this is true, if Jesus is higher than the angels, the Son of God becoming flesh, then you can't stop worshiping him. That's the big so what, right? You can't give up. You have to persevere through whatever comes. People are going to be mean to you or going to make fun of your faith as they were back in that time. But if he is who we believe he is, you must persevere, all right? Do not give in. Do not give up. So... We, we, let's do some observing here on our scripture today. It said, God spoke to our fathers. In these last days, though, he has spoken to us by son. Or we add the article to make it less awkward. I wrote it today without the, without the his, uh, but in the Greek, it's just, it just goes straight to son. <laughs> but we, we just add that in most English translations because it's awkward or something. But, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by son, by, by the son of God, Jesus, right? And so it's, it's this contrast. We're observing the contrast. God is a speaking God who has spoken in the past in various ways through a burning bush, right? Uh, he, he led the people with a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud. He, he, he's, he's caused earthquakes and rumblings and a small, still voice. He can, he can speak in different ways and has, but in these final days, the, the author says, he's speaking to us through the Son. And if God, the speaking God who has spoke to the Jewish people for all these centuries is now changed and is speaking to us through his son, then we better listen to how God speaks. We're a people, essentially he's arguing, that have listened to God's ways before and this is God's fulfilling way now through Jesus Christ. So are we listening to the son, he's arguing. 
Now, first, let's just appreciate that. Isn't it cool that God is a speaking God, a communicating God? God communicates, and that's good news that we can tell our friends that wonder if there is a God or if there's just a distant God. You know, we, we, we believe in a, the relational God right? That is the foundation of healthy relationships that we have here on earth, because God is relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? God is a communicating God. God is a caring God who continues to speak with us and, and continues to, to care about us, okay? So he speaks through Son. Let's look at the Son, and, and, and this will be partly a brief review of last week, uh, verses one through four. I, I, I briefly said that, that this introduction last week, we really covered just one three, but one through four is one magnificent sentence, a magnificent sentence in Greek, and it's filled with alliteration. It's filled with parallels. Some of those you can see in the English uh, once spoke through the prophets, now speaks through his son, those kind of back and forth in this sentence. It, he was uh, appointed heir of all things, yet he was the one that created the world, the radiance of the glory of God, exact imprint of his nature, these deep ideas all in these first verses. It's, it's poetic, it's written uh, masterfully in the, in the ancient Greek, right? But it has these deep ideas about the son, that the son is not just uh, a man and not just an angel, but involved in how all of existence works, involved in the making of it, creation, but in the ruling of it, heir of all things, and is, is with the creator and with the spirit, very God. The church came to say, Jesus is very God of very God, of the same substance with the father and the spirit. He's uncreated, always existent, right? There was no point at which the son of God never existed. This is what the church declares and believes. Because we have scriptures like what we're reading today or reviewing today is that the Son of God upholds the, the universe by the word of his power. And not only that, he, he is God who made purifications for our sins, right? He gave himself to die on the cross, a sacrifice that somehow absorbed our brokenness, our sin nature, and, and gave us his righteousness. And now, he's at the right hand of majesty on high, interceding for his people, his body, the church. So, these things, if, if one through four are, are true, then, then as Hebrews continues, it's saying, so if, the, if this is our foundation, if verses one through four are our foundation, then let's go on to things that people are saying about Jesus or things in our faith that we might put in place of Jesus. We might put, now, we probably wouldn't put uh, angels in front of Jesus, uh, Michael Landon or something, that's an old 80s joke, but uh, you, you, you might put, or some people put, some other kind of spirituality ahead of Jesus. Or they try to have Jesus and right? Well, Hebrews is arguing, we don't, it's not Jesus and, all the other good ministering spirits, the ones that are actually good, work for Jesus. So Jesus is better than the angels and any good spirit. He is superior to the angels, the argument goes. The angels helped mediate the, the, the message of God for the prophets of old, but Jesus needs no mediator. In fact, he is the mediator between the Godhead and humanity. 
right? The prophets needed the mediators that were the angels, so to speak. But, but Jesus is the, the boss to the angels. They work for him. And so the, the author of the Hebrews is making the argument to the original audiences that who Jesus was, right? The, 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 who Jesus was is, means that he, the mission that he accomplished is, is related to all the missions that came before that the prophets were a part of. And he's greater than all the works, or he's the accumulation, you could say, the fulfillment of all of that. So again, not just a human, not just an angel, indeed greater than the angels, and therefore worthy of our allegiance and our worship as a king, that we should bow down to him. And when any worldly power comes along and says, no, you should bow down to this emperor, this president, or this this particular religious guru or something, or um, you, should, you should listen to this psychic or you should do this. We say, wait a second, no. I know who my leader is and I have everything I need in Jesus. He intercedes for me. I don't need a horoscope. I don't need a psychic. I definitely don't need a leader of one kind or another telling me that, that he or she is gonna solve all my problems. I have one king, only Jesus, right? And now we're getting into application, okay? Um, so what I will say before we move off this point is any, any spirituality that seems good but it, it does not lead us to, to closer relationship with Jesus or to love more like Jesus, it might seem good, but it isn't good. And Jesus said, he said different things, but he said, if they aren't for me, right, then they're against me. Now, there are people that maybe in Jesus' time that weren't ministering right in his group that were still for him and, and, and looked different. So you can, be, you can have people who are different looking or different language groups and all of them can be for Jesus. But if there is a spiritual movement that is, that is not of Jesus and not helping you be closer to Jesus or love like Jesus, it can seem good, but I will just say it's not of a good spirit. Okay, so some application for us, some straightforward application for today and really for 2024, it's for me about prioritizing Jesus, right? Prioritizing Jesus. Eliminating second place as an option for the Lord, right? And, and again, you probably didn't come here thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I, I didn't really think I had the Lord in, uh, in second place. Um, but I think it's really easy for us as human beings to put God into second place. And Jesus has some pretty tough teachings about that. He, he uses strong language to say you can't, can't have anything, whether it's family or anything, property, money. Uh, you, you've got to have God first. And I'll say it again because I think one of the biggest applications in our life, especially in 2024, is going to be politics, right? And saying that we're followers of Jesus, but putting as important as far as tracking the news and tracking the elections that come and making that your big thing and, and, and getting anxious about it and nervous and spending time on it, I will say none of that should have more time and more energy of your heart than Jesus and how he wants you to love your family and your neighbors and even your enemies. Uh, I, I, I take my example from Wameng, <laughs> who, who I love and I think he does a lot of things naturally that I have to, to work on or the spirit helps him, however you want to say it. Uh, but we were, t we were talking about candidates in the election this year, 
And at the time, I mean, I'm not making fun of you, Wong here at all. Not, not, he's thumbs up. Okay. He knows I'm going to do this. But, you know, he wasn't quite sure who were some of the leading candidates yet in the national stage. And he also smiled as he said it. And I was jealous. <laughs> uh, I was jealous because I, 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 and a, a phrase came to my mind, or the Spirit gave me this phrase, and I've been using it or trying it out on some of you, and that is uh, what I observed in Wanming of this joyous ambivalence. It wasn't honestly an ignorance. He, he told me the, the next day or two that he went and read some and learned, and I'm sure he'll pray, and, and he cares about being a citizen. But... Yeah, this joyous kind of holding it loosely that maybe I lose sometimes, right? This j- just joyous ambivalence. Like, you know, we can be involved and we can care and we should and we should definitely care about ethical issues and how things affect our communities. But at another level, there are things that are going to happen beyond our control. And at another level, we can totally lose control ourselves and get the wrong priorities altogether, right? And so... Be careful what you hold too tightly. <laughs> Maybe consider that some things uh, could have this joyous ambivalence, right? I'll leave it up for you what that is for you, you know, because I know God calls different Christians to different things and different types of service. But for me, as a minister of the gospel, I'm going to have a joyous ambivalence with certain matters in 2024, okay? And to remain joyous and not angry and not anxious. And so help me to do that too, by the way, but so that I can better serve you in whatever pursuits the Lord is leading you in. So, we, we need the energy and the time we have. We, we each are given a certain amount of energy and, and time in our lives to do what God has call, called us to do, and we have to try to take care of that business, and we also have this kind of weight on us to know what's going on in the world. We have this weight on us in small community or in your families to know what's going on in other people's lives and even more so with social media, right? You got there's an expectation that you don't start a conversation to start a conversation more. You got to start somewhere in the middle, which is really weird to me because I don't do social media really anymore and people try to start conversations with me in the middle and I like to start like, hey, how are you doing? Do you know what I'm talking about or am I just weird? Quit social media for a while and you'll know what I'm talking about, okay? Right, because people... People start already knowing things about you, and it's really strange, right? So people that don't really know you know your birthday and stuff. It's weird. Okay. So there's this, there's this, this weight of knowing maybe more than we were actually uh, created to, to know or to spend time and energy on. And I think the simple question of priority that, that Hebrews 1 is helping me to ask is, am I putting the weights of trying to, to know things... <laughs> above just knowing the Lord, like, could I actually love people better if I, spent, if, I, if I spent less time trying to keep up on the knowledge and spent a bit more time in my morning and in my evening knowing the Lord and letting his love soak in me and then the actual people that cross my paths, I can maybe love better and more patiently, right? I think there's this myth out there that we can do better as a neighbor if we, if we know more. And I will just say, knowing more is not always a great priority. I will say one of the burdens of the information age is that we've, we've put a burden on our back, a new law, so to speak, that isn't actually good news, right? Um, so I, I don't know if any of this is making sense to you, but what I'd say is just free yourself of that. Spend, spend some time turning off noise, 
whether it's radio in your commute or whatever, or whether it's social media visual noise, or whether it's a talking head on the TV, spend a few more minutes in prayer, right? And then the actual people that you talk to on the phone or that you see, see if you don't have more energy and patience for them. See if you stop seeing people through a red and blue lens, right? See if you just have less anxiety. I think you might, I think you might. It's just a theory. Just a theory. Try it out. Try it out for yourself. Um, so priorities. Priorities. Um, Ephesians 2.10 is a verse that says you are Christ's workmanship. And it says that you are made to do good works, essentially, that he has prepared in advance good works for you to do. So my encouragement for you wrapping up this message is is this one who is greater than the angels, the Son of God, is invested in us. And the word says that we are his workmanship and that we are created in him to do good works. That's your priority, right? Are you seeing your days that way? How many days left for you in this life? Psalms 139 says it's, it's mysterious to us, but God knows how many days were created for us. And so the adventure of this life, the adventure of 2024 is to say, Christ, what have you created me to be uh, 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 involved in? How am I your workmanship? Who can I love better today, listen better to today, serve today? How can I serve my family, my community well today? What have you prepared in advance for me to be a part of? And am I putting other things that are grabbing my attention or robbing me of energy that are keeping me from being the person you created me especially to be, right? And God, help me to deprioritize those things and put you and your plan for me first, right? And that, that reprioritizing of Jesus and his workmanship in your life, I believe not only gives you a deeper sense of purpose, but it has this secondary effect of fighting off our tendency to complain, our temptation to sometimes think our life doesn't have meaning, value, or purpose. You know, in the humdrum of life, we can be tempted to think that. So I would encourage you uh, to try that path. Put Jesus first. It's right and it's good. It's his place anyway. He's above the angels. He is the son of God, all right? But he, the, the son of God, is doing a work in you. And so it's life-giving when you prioritize him. So putting Jesus first, 2024, as our king, as our leader, uh, in our hearts, in our behaviors, in our attitudes, in our routines. Because he who is first, right? The heir of all things, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, is so good that he made purifications for our sins and now he's at the right hand of the Father and he's praying for you, his workmanship. God, I thank you for this good and encouraging truth from your word. I pray that by your Holy Spirit for these who consider themselves disciples here, those who are disciples online, Lord, that you would help us in this journey to see if there's any way where we're loaning time and energy to something or someone that is not you, that, that you deserve. Because you're our king. 
Lord, if we're putting ourselves first or money first or any other thing before you, give us eyes to see that plank in our eye and help us to remove it. May we use our bodies, our emotions, our attitudes, our energy, our, our time to love others well and to, to be the workmanship project that you are doing in us. God, thank you for these folks here. Would you please bless their journey in 2024 as they seek your, your priorities for their lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.